welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. We are back with another episode of What the HR. And for this episode, we're joined by Carrie Cunnington, an executive coach. I'm really excited to get this episode out to the universe as Carrie and I have both a personal and professional relationship. She's an incredible person and um, really amazing at the work that she does with uh, companies and executives alike. I've had the opportunity to hire Carrie um, at organizations I've worked with historically, specifically doing high potential, um, executive coaching, and uh, strengths work. So Carrie um, recently has been kind of focusing some of her work on what she would call mental fitness. And during the episode today, that is where she focuses in on with Mike and I. And this episode is going to give you an insight into what that looks like, uh, what it's like to work with Carrie, and um, really, frankly, just all of the pros and advantages that come with mental clarity and high quality thinking. So we hope that you love this episode and this time with Carrie as much as we did. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Let us know what you think. If there are people that you would like us to interview or topics you'd like us to cover, please be sure to let us know. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right. Well, Carrie, it's so good to have you to the What the HR podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, um, I shared a little bit of a bio and a background on how you and I know each other. But for sake of kind of getting our, our episode kicked off today, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about how you got into the executive coaching space and what you've been up to recently? Sure. I grew up in the world of org development in the corporate world at Best Buy, at Ryan Companies, and at Carlson Wagenly Travel. And then in 2009, I left the corporate world. I was a mom of two very little kids and was on the road a lot. My husband was on the road and it just was not, it was kind of a gong show in all honesty. So I left and started my own business. So I've been in business almost 11 years, which I feel so grateful for. And I coach leaders and executives of companies to be better, smarter, nicer, more effective humans. One of the things I love doing is helping people become more effective with less stress, less anxiety, just enjoying what they do more. And one of the things that I've been doing a lot of in the past few years is a workshop or a lot of work uh, with mental fitness. In, in the past year with COVID, I think I've done a mental fitness workshop, I don't know, once or twice a week, every week for the past year, we've all been going through a lot. And how do we, uh, figuring out how we stay mentally fit has been critical. And um, I'm finding that even in 2021, now that people are kind of over all of this business, then they're just like tired and want to get out. And it just feels good to talk with other people and figure out how to work through things. So I'm excited to share that with you today. Yeah. So to give our listeners a little bit of an insight into what's going to go on today, Carrie is going to get into the heads of of Mike and I today. Mike and I are a little nervous. Are you a little sweaty right now, Mike? A little bit. (laughs) Um, So she's going to run us through this mental fitness exercise. And we do have, well, 
we meaning Carrie has a little surprise for our, our listeners, a free offering. So make sure that you listen to our whole episode today and we will provide those details for you at the end of the episode. So Carrie, I think Mike and I are ready if you're ready to get us kicked off. For sure. And for those of you listening, feel free to play along as you're listening. Like it's being a part of a workshop. You can do that as well. So Jess and Mike on Anna, I know you have a piece of paper, a scrap piece of paper somewhere in front of you. I just want you to draw in the middle of the paper, draw two parallel lines, like a road in the middle of your page. And for those listening, I'm just setting up the mental fitness piece. So join us in that part. So in the middle of that road, Mike and Jess, I want you to think about where you, where do you set your thermostat in your home where you like it? What's the temperature? I like mine at 68. Okay. At 68, Mike. 70. It depends on the, on the time of year. It's winter. It's 68. If it's summer, it's like 70, 71. All right. So right in that range, that zone, that road will be 68 to 70, 71 in there. What I know at that temperature, you don't have any consideration of the air in the room, right? It's just, it's there. You're not noticing it. Now, if I cranked your thermostat up to 90 degrees in the room you were in, you would notice that and you would react to that. The office I'm in gets terrible airflow. So if it gets hot in here, I'll have a bead of sweat coming down. (laughs) If I dropped your thermostat down to 30 degrees, you would notice that too. And you would react and you'd shiver. Now you can do work in your office or in your home at 90 degrees or 30 degrees, but you'd be distracted by the temperature. You wouldn't be fully present. Whereas at 70 degrees or 68 or 71, you're not even considering the air in the room, right? Mm. That's a high quality zone is what we'll call that. That middle zone, we'll just call that high quality. At 90 degrees, we'll call that zone above that lower quality down to 30, also lower quality. You can still work, but lower quality. Now, the same is true with your health. If you feel healthy, we usually don't think much about it. We might be grateful for it, but we don't think too much about it. Now, what are your indicators? So we'll call health, like your body health, we'll call that high quality as well. It just feels good. It has a nice feeling to it. How do you know, or what does your body tell you when you're starting to get sick, get a cold or something? Tired or fatigued. Okay. Tired, Mm -hmm. fatigued. Body aches, chills, kind of the normal sick symptoms, I guess. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're used to feeling that too. You can feel when your body goes from healthy to a little bit off and you can still do work when you have the aches or chills or a sore throat or a headache, you can still work there, but it's not the best version of you, not the highest quality version. And, you know, if you get the stomach flu, it gets really down and out, you know, that, you know, that's really low quality. So you're used to feeling that too. Same is true if you feel healthy and maybe you roll an ankle or you have a tight hamstring or something, you could still work out. You could still go for a run or something, but it's, you, you have to adjust a little bit. It's not the highest version of you or highest quality version of you either. So what I'm setting up there is you're used to feeling. You're used to feeling the feels, whether it's temperature or your body, you can feel. What's new for a lot of people is that we also feel our thinking. We live in the feeling of our thinking. The feeling we have in the moment tells us the kind and quality of our thinking in the moment. It's similar to looking out your window and right now it's sunny outside. 
if a cloud rolled in, it, it just changed. I can see that. The feeling you have tells you kind of like the weather quality in your head, whether it's higher quality or lower quality. Not right or wrong, good or bad, just higher quality or lower quality. The higher quality tends to have a nicer feeling to it. You could think about that like a higher mood. That's how when you have a higher mood, you have higher quality thinking. A lower mood, you have lower quality thinking. So what I'm curious about is what does high quality feel like to you? A high quality feeling. In my being, it feels like energized, engaged, ease, connection, love. What does it feel like to you? For me, it would feel accomplished mm-hmm. or relaxed. Mm-hmm intuitive, Mm. fulfilling, Mm -hmm. efficient, Mm. and fun. Fun. Awesome. Jess was was ready for that that question. (laughs) Um, Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) For me, high quality would be energized like you, Cherry, motivated, at peace, I, I would say, content. Mm. Even though some people would say content is is bad in certain circumstances, but I don't mind it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple. That, that's, that, that kind of makes <laughs> it up for me. It, I, you know, my high quality is the opposite of low quality. If I'm feeling good, I'm very happy with that. So. Yeah. Right. So, you know, what high quality feeling like is like, if you have an accomplished feeling, you've got accomplished thinking content. I love that you brought that up because for a lot of people, it feels like I don't care. It's just kind of uh, like you're laying on a couch or something, but if you have a content feeling, it's a nice feeling. Tells you yeah. in the moment you've got content thinking, beautiful, relaxed feeling is relaxed thinking. And a lot of high achievers really have a hard time with that relaxed feeling. They tend to feel like it's not enough, but yeah, it's telling you in the moment you've got relaxed thinking. I think about that high quality area, like a clear windshield, or if you're looking out a window and you can see for a while, if you go up a skyscraper, you go up a few floors, you can, your perspective widens, you can see for miles. It's clear. Like on a day like today, my win- my windows are just like clear and it's so crisp outside. Now we'll switch gears and talk about lower quality. Lower quality in my being, and this feels different for everybody, feels like irritation, annoyed, slow, hurry it up. It feels like that. Can feel angry, sad. What does it feel like to you? So for me, it would feel like a mental block, mm-hmm. overcomplicated, mm-hmm. rushed. Mm-hmm. insecure, mm-hmm. maybe wanting to quit yep. or sweaty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Your body reacts to that. Of course. That's funny. Right. Uh, lack of motivation, stressed. Yeah. Mental fog. I think Jess kind of mentioned that too, just not feeling comfortable with my own self or my own thoughts in the moment. You got it. Yeah. Right. Tired. I hate being tired. And with three kids, I feel like I'm always tired. And it's, it's almost like you think about it every day. Now it's like, I can, I can still do what I need to do, but why am I always tired? Mm-hmm. You know? So that, yeah. that's, that's definitely uh, a low quality feeling. That's right. Yeah. Tired thinking and a tired feeling. Yeah. And physiologically you're tired too, but yeah, a lot of it is tired thinking. That's right. Carrie, I'm curious when you're doing this with, with other leaders and executives, do you find it? I'm just like, I listen to Jess and she can rattle these things off so well. Do you find a difference in women and men when they go through these workshops? I don't know if it's gender specific. Some people are, I also do a lot of work with the strengths assessment. I've mm-hmm. been doing, I've facilitated that with well over 8,000 people. 
Those that have empathy in their talent themes that have it higher tend to have an easier time naming their feelings. If it's mm. lower in their ta- list of talent themes, they have a harder time. I don't know. So I don't um, have empathy. <laughs> yeah. No, what, I, no. no, I'm just kidding. What I, what I do find is people are much quicker to identify low quality feelings or lower mood feelings <laughs> than higher, than higher. Um, partially, and this is why we're talking about this, for a lot of people, this high quality is nice. We appreciate that. It's like our health, but, or the temperature, the 70 degrees, you're like, oh yeah, that's good. But you don't think about it. It just is because it's nice and comfortable. There's an ease and a flow to it, but you're not really thinking about it. Because we live in the feeling of our thinking. When we have lower quality, it feels uncomfortable. Now, I'll flip that over in a little bit, but that doesn't feel as good. It's like if you eat something that tastes bad, it feels like a problem to solve and something we need to get rid of. And so we notice that more. This is lower quality. Now, anxiety, stress, depression, all of that. For some of the clients I work with, they tend to be really high achieving folks, they feel like their edge comes from that low quality rush, anxious, worried, stressed, irritation. And that I find really interesting. Now it might kick them back and that lower quality feeling might kick them back into a higher quality state. But I think about this high quality, like a clear windshield and lower quality, like, like you've been driving off-road mudding and your windshield is just covered in mud. And imagine if you're driving really fast with a muddy windshield, or if you're driving in the middle of a snowstorm where your perspective is really limited, we tend to be really gripped because we can't see clearly. So anytime we have a lower quality feeling, it's just telling us in the moment we have a lot on our mind. I think about it. One of my clients said, oh, it's like the thought flu. Yes, that's right. It is like the thought flu. A whole bunch of thoughts kind of spin together and you can't see clearly. And one thing I was I was sharing with Jess was we had an exchange student from Norway living with us. And, you know, she moved here. She's 17 years old, moves in with us. And that's uncomfortable. She didn't have any friends at school yet. And I picked her up from school and she said, I feel I felt stressed today. And I said, okay, well, I, what do you think it was about? And she said, actually, I felt lonely. Now, lonely has a isn't a higher quality thought. That's a lower quality feeling. And what happens when we get into lower quality is we want to protect ourselves. And we do that by doing two things. We replay old experiences out of pain. If I replay this and remember it, it can't happen again. And then we make stuff up. If I imagine it or worry about it, it can't happen. Like I can predict it. So then out of control. So she said, I felt lonely. And I said, have you ever felt lonely before? And she said, yeah, middle school was really hard for me. So she had been sitting in a classroom with a lonely thought and then started replaying an old middle school movie and added all of that on top of a lonely thought and then started what if I go home and then made up a whole thing on top of that. So all of that tangled together felt like stress. And I said, the only thing that was true in the moment was you had a lonely thought, which makes sense to me because you're human. And, but when I'm point, I share that story because I think we can all relate to that in some regard, but we spend a lot of time living in the past and the future. And as a result, we're not seeing clearly. It is amazing to me that a company can make any money when most of the time people have old movies and made up stuff sitting and sitting right in front of their face. How do we even have a conversation? I find that fascinating. And that happens even more 
when we get into low quality because we want to protect ourselves. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That's actually what I help most of the leaders do because leaders make stuff up all the time or they drag around old anchors from old experiences or old companies in hopes that it doesn't happen again. Now, it's good to look at the past and learn from it and look ahead and plan, but then we have to be here in the moment. So it I'll seems pause like, there and get your- Yeah, it seems like in the low quality phase, <clears throat> at least for me, you think more about like your mind runs, right? And then in the high quality moments, you're super confident, you, you make quick, decisive decisions. So I'm curious if through the work that you've done, is the goal to make decisions at the 70 degree temperature and, and, and neither of the other ones, or is, what do you, what do you that's do a, with that? That's a great observation, Mike. You're right. High quality feels like confidence and clarity because you have less on your mind. You see things clearly. Imagine a surgeon going into surgery that was irritated, anxious, stressed, worried, depressed. They've got a lot on their mind. So and surgeons make mistakes. It happens because they're human. But I would want my surgeon to come in at ease, kind of relaxed, having fun with a clear mind, less on their mind. So they see the situation clearly. So the tricky part with that, Mike, is that we don't always have the patience. This, because we, that feeling of low quality feels uncomfortable, we tend to feel like we need to get rid of it right now. So from the high quality space, think about that like action. Think about from a lower quality space, it's reaction. So we're reactive. So it's okay. We make decisions when we're worried, stressed. We're human. It happens. It's just not as high a quality of of a decision. So ideally, if we can catch it and be like, hey, I'm on to you. I've got a lot on my mind. I don't have clarity right now. I'm going to let myself settle a little bit and trust that I'll have some clarity and see if I can make a decision from there. What happens though, is we don't trust that we'll actually have clarity. You know, when you're working on a problem and you just can't figure it out and then you go get a snack and you come back and you're like, oh, I got it. Mm -hmm. See it with a fresh perspective. It's like your thoughts loosened up and you see a fresh perspective and you like, you just, we make things way harder than than it needs to be because we're making decisions from almost gripped and stressed and a little gritty sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of bad habits being formed out of low quality zone? <laughs> because to your point, mm-hmm. I want to get rid of that feeling. And so I'm going to do anything necessary to get rid of that, that feeling. You got it. And if I relate it back to sports, which not everybody loves, but like a baseball player, when you hold a bat or a golf golfer, maybe you hold a bat really loosely in your hands. I used to coach softball. So you kind of, you hold it loosely. If you grip the bat too tightly, your swing is really constricted the same in golf. And so you want to be nice and loose and relaxed. And so what happens is people get really gripped and they can be forceful or, um, you know, you make hesitant unconfident decisions from that lower quality space. Sometimes we get rewarded from that. We're like, well, that worked. And I also see a lot of the high achievers I work with have a disrespect for that high quality zone. They feel like average people do that. Average people do that at ease, relaxed, content place. You don't get it. I do anxious, worried, stressed. Well, that sounds like it. That to me is like, I'm going to do run my best marathon when I have a sore throat and a headache. What? I also think about when you're in that low quality thinking phase and let's say you're in a meeting 
Mm-hmm. And then you you have a tendency perhaps to be pulling other people down with you into that low quality thinking. And I think we've all been in a meeting where we've walked out of it and we've been like, what did we accomplish in the last 60 minutes? Like <laughs> all we did was swirl. People got worked up. The tension yes. was so thick. You could cut it with a knife, yep. you know? So when we're in a, a high quality thinking state, it probably also helps bring out high quality thinking and the people that we're in that space with. You got it. I work with a number of teams on this and the ones that do it well can, it happens in meetings when it gets tense and it can, we have disagreements and it can be hard. What those teams do is they'll just call a timeout and say, you know what? I don't think it sounds like we have a lot on our mind right now, or we're not seeing this clearly. Let's take a break. It is what it is. We're humans. We've got over 80,000 thoughts that go through our head in a day. They're not all high quality. And the goal isn't to live in high quality all the time because we're human. But when you've got people, some are in high quality, some are in low quality, of course, you're going to have disagreements and not see things the same way. So the teams that do this well, will just say, hey, let's take a time out, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, or let's come back tomorrow and see if we have new thoughts about this or a fresh idea about this. And then it just becomes easier. I mean, think about the time wasted in meetings. If you would have just said, let's just come back to this later, you would have just kept going Mm -hmm. versus grinding. And I think about the high quality, I use so many metaphors and analogies, but this high quality, I think about like a freshly paved road. If you're biking or rollerblading on a freshly paved road, it's so smooth and so fast and it's great. And this lower quality is like rollerblading on gravel. And a lot of my clients are like, oh, well, I'm going to pour the gravel on and show you how amazing I am. I can rollerblade on gravel and I'm going to beat you too. Well, (laughs) that sounds like silly when you say it like that. Mm -hmm. And recognizing like, oh, hey, I'm on gravel right now. I bet there's a smooth path somewhere else if I wait or settle down. And it's we can see when someone else is in low quality. We can see that pretty clearly. What's hard on ourselves, though, because we feel our thinking, it feels real. It yes. feels real. And sometimes it's captivating and, and then we add noise to it. So I know I'm not immune from any of this. I get into low quality, too, and I can get worked up. I'm just better at noticing it and mm-hmm. being like, oh, hey, I have low quality thinking right now. I don't know what it's about, but I trust if I don't add more content to it that it'll dissipate kind of like a storm. The storm has to go away. There's an energy behind your thinking. It has to move through. Yeah. Well, and it helps us prevent making a decision based on a feeling, you know, instead of maybe socializing it with other people or looking at the data or, you know, lots of different examples based on the scenario, but we can sometimes get ourselves in trouble if we are making a decision simply based on an emotion that we're having in that moment or what our gut might be telling us in that moment. That's right. And low quality can be seductive too, or it can be tricky because it doesn't always have to feel bad. In my world, going back to the strengths, I have positivity high in my strengths, so I can get really excited about something but it feels almost amped up. There's like a rush to it. That is equally as now it feels better to me and it feels exciting, but I make terrible decisions from there. So I know that too. And I'm, I can catch it and let myself settle. Like if you shake up a snow globe and just let the snow settle, I just have to let it settle and give it a little time, wait to respond and then see what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Are there some ways that you've identified for yourself or for other clients potentially like some, some hacks to get out of that low feeling zone, right? I mean, you talk about taking a break. Is there anything else? Can I do something in the moment or, you know, during that break that would help get me back into my equilibrium, I guess I'll call it. Yeah. What I don't want to do is give you the five steps to get out of low quality because then it's adding more thought on top of low quality thinking. So this is the part that's hard for high achieving people is they feel like there's something to do. What I really want you to do is just notice if you take a pause, if you're in high quality, I would love for you to pause and go, this feels good. This is high quality for a lot of people, by the way, high quality is uncomfortable. They've gotten into a habit of being in worried, anxious stress, because at least I'm on guard and ready. What if I feel good and it goes away? So one, get familiar with what that 70 degrees, high quality, high mood feels like to you and know that in that moment, that's high quality thinking. It's almost like I want you to get yourself back in alignment and feel that like that should be your set point. That's mental health, by the way. That's it. That's our set point for everybody. And sometimes because we're human, we get into low quality. So number one, if you're in high quality, pause. That pause is a moment of presence. If you're in low quality, pause there too, instead of fighting it or judging it. I know if I'm irritated, that tends to be mine. I can be irritated or frustrated. I'll be like, hey, I'm irritated. Here I am. Here it is. Come on in. Instead of fighting it, I just welcome it in because I know that if I start fighting it or trying to fix it, then I'm adding more to it. And it usually just goes away. I mean, I'd like it to go away in a second. But it doesn't always do that. But if I don't sit and stare at it, then it just goes away on its own or I come back. It's like a self-regulating thermostat. You know, when it gets too hot in your house, the air the air turns on and cools it back. That's what happens when we get into low quality and we know it and pause. That moment of presence sometimes is enough to kick you out of, you know, that thinking, obsessing about that thinking. Mm-hmm. Is there some maybe truth or help in like verbally stating it, Carrie. So I'm thinking, for example, there could be situations to the point that you made earlier where it would be appropriate to say, let's reconvene this meeting. Or if it's a one-on-one conversation, you know, I, I think it would be best for us to revisit this. Let me call you at three today, or let's talk about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But then there's probably situations where that's not appropriate. And like, you kind of just have to get through the conversation or the situation, depending on what it is. And, you know, if it is appropriate, given the setting, would you recommend that that person just acknowledge that feeling? Like I can feel that I am feeling X way right now. And I want to acknowledge that to this group and that I'm, I'm going to work to, you know, think this way instead of this way, for example, and then kind of move on. Or would there be other recommendations in that type of scenario? I think that is a beautiful way for people to lead. To, and we, I can give you an example of what we do in our house. Sometimes if my husband and I are not seeing eye to eye on something, Or if I get worked up, I'll say, here's what I made up about the situation. What did you make up? Or here's the old news I'm dragging around with me. What about you? Because then it's like, I just assume everybody's making things up and dragging around old business. And then we'll lay it out there. In fact, that's a a good way to do it. You could even, if you're brainstorming, if you're working on a tough topic, because high quality doesn't have to mean ponies and rainbows. It might mean a very challenging topic like brain surgery. Or, you know, we have to 
lay some people off. It could be very challenging situations. And I think that's a great way to even kick off a meeting to say, does anybody have any low quality thoughts about this or old news they're dragging in or made up thoughts about it? Just get it out first. That could be one thing to do. Or if you're already down the line and the conversation isn't going well, it's okay to pause and say, I'm, I would own it yourself and say, I'm finding I'm making some things up about this, or I've got old stories playing right now. I want to make sure that I'm seeing this clearly. I would own, own that for sure. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about so many meetings I've had just in the last six months where if we had started out the meeting asking that question, how much more productive our time could have been together. I, I really like that recommendation. Yeah, that's a great, it's, great question. We use it at home too in parenting, making decisions like, here's what I'm worried about. And it's funny how far down the road your worry goes, or, I mean, it's like my, you know, my almost 16 year old, like, and when she's 30, it's going to happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's 15. <laughs> right. right. Parent her as if she's 15, not 30. Let's mm-hmm. bring it back. Yep. So where yeah. do you go from here, Cherry, when, when you're meeting with people and you've, you've kind of identified low, high, middle, when, when people come to you and they want coaching, what's normally the outcome that they're looking for? Mm. Or does that, does that vary? I, I should, I should rephrase. What's the outcome you want to have then after, after you go through this exercise? Well, it usually becomes uh, uh, like if I'm coaching somebody, I usually meet with them for, I don't know, let's just say six weeks in a row because I'll introduce this. And this is, I don't do this for everybody right away, but frequently I'll introduce this and say, I just want you to practice. And because it takes a little trust, like, am I going to be okay? If I let go of this anxious thought, am I going to be okay? doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, but you'll figure it out. And so that's all we do is I meet with them at least weekly for about six weeks to get them on track. And usually they go, oh my gosh, this stuff works. Like, I know, I know. And, but, and I'll have them start on something kind of simple, like try a work on something that doesn't seem significant in your life that maybe catches you up sometimes or gets you wound up, try that. And just, let's just see what happens. So test and try. And once you get confidence in one area, then we'll say, okay, now try it on something that feels like a bigger deal to you. And I'll I try can give on, you an I'll try it on Minnesota sports. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really easy one to start with. Oh my gosh. Right. Yes. <laughs> a lot of low quality thinking about that. Right? You remember all the time. I mean, it's funny how, cause all this makes sense to me and I reference a lot of sports, but you think back to something's happening in a game, whether it's an, you know, football interception or something, you're like, here we go again. This happened in 2009, 98. I'm talking about the Vikings, but it's similar to that, right? So that's what you're saying is you're, you're pulling all those past experiences when in the moment it's, it was one play. It has nothing to do play. with all of the baggage that comes with the team. You got it. That's exactly right. Beautiful. Yes. I even think about someone said, well, what about like, if you're in a slump in sports, like a, like a baseball slump, that's just thinking, I mean, you can't hit and then you add more, I can't hit and blah, 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 blah. you know, there's a lot of self-talk. And then when you have that much thought about it, you can't even see the ball. Because you have too much on your mind. Right. Yeah. Just swing the bat. I think about sometimes when I work out and I'm like riding my bike and it's a hard workout, it's easy to add more noise to that. Like, oh, this is so hard. And I have to call myself out on it and just say, it's just a ride. Move your, move your legs. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Just, just move your legs. The, just turn the music up a little bit louder. Forget turn about it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of the things that 
I'll point out for myself is I was raised in a family where I was taught to be positive. I was not really allowed, isn't the right word, but if I was in a bad space, it was like, you know, I imagine like someone with droopy socks, my dad would be like, nope, pull your socks up. We, we do positive around here, which is a survival mechanism. Positivity is high in my life, but I get uncomfortable. I found that I would run from low quality feelings. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to go there. And I would over like force myself back into only positive. You know what? Sometimes you just have to feel funky. So that's my work to do is to just sit with, this is uncomfortable and I don't like it, but I'm going to trust that I'm going to learn something from here too. And one of the things I've done over the past two years now is I have like a stretching practice. I call it, it's yin yoga, but you just hold like a stretch for a long, like five minutes. It's so uncomfortable. And I love to stretch, but five minutes is like, you know, the pain, the pain kind of moves around and you're like, oh, and then your mind is like, oh. TikTok, is it done yet? <laughs> but what's interesting is I find when I do that, like I can feel myself like brace against the, like my hamstrings are tight. Like I can brace against it. Well, that's fighting a stretch. And so I, what I'll do is I'll loosen like my jaw. I hold tension there in my throat, or I just find myself trying to loosen my, relax my body and sink into the stretch. It's uncomfortable. It is, feels low quality to me. But what's funny is it's actually restorative for my body. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I feel good. So my work on myself is to get uncomfortable or comfortable with the uncomfortable. And maybe there's something for me to learn from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe there was a time where you were in a high pressure meeting and you decided to speak up and your idea wasn't welcomed or you felt shame or guilt or I'm not the smartest person in the room or like insert this negative feeling here. And so then you fast forward a couple of years from that experience and now you're sitting in a similar situation and you're not speaking up. And you're not sharing your thoughts because you have this experience from two years ago that you're holding so close to the vest and it's preventing you from probably sharing a thought or an idea that could be super beneficial to the team, but you're withholding it because of, you know, to the example you gave Carrie, like I was always told to be this certain way or to act this certain way or to show up this certain way. And so now that feeling is uncomfortable and I don't know how to show up as my best self because of that poor experience. Yep, exactly. Okay. So I have two things then so far that I feel like we've covered and I might've missed something, but one, it's, you know, identifying your zones essentially. Two is, is identifying past experiences or, or letting that go, not allowing past experiences to kind of break into your thought process. Am I on track with that, Jerry? Yeah, I think what I would say, instead of not allowing, I would say, just notice when they do come in because they will. Sometimes sure. they creep they creep in and you don't, no idea that that was even a pain point and it creeps in and then it's like, oh, okay, I see it now. Okay, there you are. I'm going to press pause on that. Mm-hmm. So then we don't want to give away all of your secrets because this is, you know, this is, <laughs> this is your business, but since we're doing it, what, you know, is there, what's the next phase of, of the coaching that you provide? Yeah, well, in relation to this, I would say really observe, see what happens. So then you have to put it into practice and make it, make it a practice. Mm-hmm. Try it out. If you're in a meeting and you're like, Ooh, I feel uncomfortable. This is low quality right now. 
maybe, I don't know, just breathe through it or acknowledge it to yourself and maybe you'll relax a little bit and then you show up differently. It's funny because sometimes the world like suddenly looks different and nothing changed. The problem that was you thought was a problem isn't a problem anymore. And you go, oh, wow, this is, this is easier. Or I have, I now know how to solve that. Or I suddenly I'm connecting with this person and that person also oftentimes we're like, that person drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. No, you just have crazy thinking about that person. That person is who they are. If you let go of some of that thinking, I wonder how you would show up differently in that conversation. Maybe I'm the problem in that conversation, not them. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to rearrange the world sometimes it's just, we start shifting and the things that are a big problem or a big deal or that get us way off course suddenly don't. And the other thing I love is we recognize and start trusting, like I'll bounce back. You know, I might be in low quality. If I don't make too big of a deal about it, I just bounce, I bounce back. And maybe I'm in low quality for an hour versus four hours. Maybe I'm anxious or, you know, a lot of clients get really high anxiety. Maybe they have that for two hours versus two days. That's a lot of life back. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like these, you said you meet with them for about six weeks, weekly for about six weeks. Yep. And then I spread it out. There's usually a nice time point where they're like, oh, they start getting the hang of it. And there are other things that we throw into the mix too. I'm just giving you, this is like, if you start practicing this and get better at it, it's like the secret sauce in how you operate. And the rest, it's kind of the underlying foundation for everything. Then we can start tackling other things. And some of the things that they came in with to me as an initial problem aren't problems anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where I was going to go with that is the practice piece. Like meeting with them weekly for six weeks helps them embed this into how they're thinking, which is something that hasn't traditionally come naturally for them or for many of us, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure going through scenarios of like what happened this week where you could have used it or you did use it, what was your experience with it and getting them more comfortable um, is helpful. So outside of that, is there you know, anything else you've been focusing on with your clients or any other kind of services with your executive coaching that you would want to share with our listenership? I do a lot of work with the strengths finder assessment, the Clifton strengths assessment. I've worked with that since 2001. And I said earlier that I've facilitated that with well over 8,000 people. I connect the two of these because when you're strengths are playing out, your talents play out as a strength. It's like that high quality zone. And when they over-index, then you can see how that um, turns into low quality. So it makes it uh, a little more concrete. So I often connect to those. I do a lot of work with the strengths just because it helps me jump into someone's mind really quickly. And I don't have to take five coaching sessions to figure out and get to the root of it. I can just go right there. And I do that with teams. My background is org development. So I sometimes dabble in that if um, the organization is, is needed there. But Right now I'm, I do, I I have a lot of coaching clients at different organizations at all levels and just helping them see more clearly. The goal isn't for me to say, be your coach for a long time. I shouldn't, at some point you can do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My clients might, you know, I might coach them for four to six months and then we do like tune-ups, like going to a chiropractor because for the most part, they, they can do it themselves. Right. Why do you think it's, hard for us to identify these zones. I mean, it's, it's when you go through a session like this, when you ask me how I feel low quality, high quality, it's pretty easy. I mean, 
it's not easy, but you kind of know the feelings that come up pretty quickly. So why is it hard for people to recognize in the moment that maybe I should take a step back? You know, they kind of power through it, however they're feeling in that specific moment. Sometimes it's out of habit. So I work with a fair number of people that were, let's just say they were athletes. Sometimes you have to power through, you have to work through an injury or you have to, you know, you're in a situation and you have to keep going and they end up getting rewarded for that. So then it becomes like a bad habit almost. It also, that low quality, because we feel it, at least in in my body, like my irritation can feel like a pressure that I need to get rid of. I need to, it feels like a pressure that I need to take care of and do something about. So I have a release of pressure. Sure. I, I don't have a one one yeah. answer to that, but I can well, tell you what that feels like to me or what I observe. I just wondered if it was, you know, you mentioned your your father was pull up the socks and and I think I'm a little bit like that in, in general, where it's like just stuff it down. Nobody wants to hear about it, you know? And so I, I wonder if it's a cultural thing or mm. you know, nature versus nurture, if if you've seen that. Uh, because I do think as we've we talked more and more about mental fitness, mental wellness, mental health mm. over the years, that's kind of been the barrier to entry is like just kind of bringing that to the surface and actually talking about it. Mm. So I was just curious what you've seen, you know, if people are just born a certain way and they, you know, do things differently or if it's a, a product of the company they're in or the family they came from. Maybe yes to all of it. Probably all. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And what I know is no one's immune from having low quality thoughts. No one, because we're human. I find that fascinating. And I don't care if you're the CEO of a company, you still have insecure, vulnerable thinking. That's what low quality is, is insecurity and vulnerability underneath it. Everyone has it. I find that beautiful and human. And if we can help people feel more confident and clear and make life easier or have an ease to it versus so much like we just overcomplicate things that's exciting and I I actually was working with a group of managers we were talking about this as part of how they lead and we were talking about how everybody's reactivity to low quality looks different you would know because I'm pretty expressive if I'm in low quality you would know you'd know in my facial expressions you just know in my actions some people get really quiet and, and you don't always know And so this group I was working with, their assignment for the week was to go to their kind of introduce this mental fitness thing and say, when you're in low quality or low mood, what's your reactivity? Like, how would I know? And what can I do to support you? And one one of the managers had a man come back and he said, I've been waiting 20 years for a manager to ask me that. It's a great question. Yeah. And when you're in, isn't that amazing? That's all you have to do is say... Because I know when you're in low quality, how would I know? How? Because sh- I might not know. Your reactivity yeah. looks different than mine. And then what can I do to support you? Because maybe it just means just let me be. Mm-hmm. It's okay. There's nothing for you to do. Because sometimes we get in the way and try and help people. This is where, you know, HR leaders are good problem solvers and help people <laughs> fix tough situations. And sometimes we jump in when there's no problem to solve. Right. Give them yeah. the space and understand that they're in that zone. I I love that. And I hope if our listeners, you know, take one thing away, you know, I'm sure they'll take a lot more, but train, train your leaders on that and having that easy conversation right up front with their team, ask them what, what low quality looks like and be able to respect that. Cause I've never been asked that question. (laughs) 
And, uh, and I, and I am, I'm way different. You say that people know that you're in low quality. I don't think people would really know necessarily with me. I'm probably more the quiet, like I said, stuff it down, get rid of it. And everybody's different in, in terms of that. So great question. I hope that people take that into their, their lives. One, one other thing you could do is, and I'm saying this as an HR leader, because you can, you know, people come to your office all the time. You can do this for yourself and for your clients. If you can see when someone's in low quality, you know, they're coming in and complaining about a problem. One thing I'll do is I'll just take a piece of paper and I will just write down what they're talking about it verbatim. And then, and I'll say, what else? Because all that's telling me is they have a lot on their mind. Who knows what it is? And I'll just say, what else? And I mean, you have to say it very sincerely and like curious, <laughs> you have to be curious. And I'll just let them keep talking and I'll hold up the paper sometimes and say, it's true. You have a lot on your mind and it can be everything from my boss doesn't understand me or I wasn't heard in a meeting to my kids were driving me crazy this morning and you know, my, I have a mom at home. I need to take care of, I mean, I, we need dog food. It's, you know, it could be so much up there that we can't even see straight. And so I'll often read it back because it's good for them to hear their own words. And when they get it out, it's almost like they give themselves distance from their own thinking. So mm -hmm. they don't feel it quite as intensely. And I'll say, it's true. You do have a lot on your mind. What's one thing we could talk about right now? Yeah. I like that so much, you know, as, as an HR leader myself and with this COVID world, we're getting asked so much, like, how can I support my people outside of just asking them how they're doing, you know, every time we talk or mm -hmm. scheduling a virtual happy hour or trying to be empathetic towards their situation at home, but kind of taking it that extra step and using the example that you just provided is so incredibly powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're in a time right now where everybody's telling you, you need to be concerned about mental health, but nobody's, I mean, it's, but how do I do that? So I think that some right. of the, the, the things you went through are, are applicable and we can actually use in our day-to-day -day lives versus just being told that we need to do this. So I just wanted to share, you know, with our listeners that I've, and I shared this in the bio tour, the intro that, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with Carrie, her and Carrie and I've been friends for, I don't even know how many years now, a long time, a long time. And, you know, I've had, I've had an opportunity to work, you know, kind of bringing in Carrie's point that she made earlier about her work with embedding strengths um, into her executive coaching I've had the opportunity to work with other executive coaches on strengths, and I've had the opportunity to work with Carrie on strengths. And I am mentioning this because if you have ever worked with somebody on strengths before and it hasn't resonated with you, it hasn't felt like anything, the work hasn't felt powerful or you know intuitive or helpful in any way, my biggest recommendation to you is to explore it with Carrie because Carrie, you do this phenomenal job of bringing it to a level that I personally had never had experience with before. And I'll, I'll put the little caveat in that it's almost scary um, how good Carrie is with it and how quickly she can pinpoint things about you and what might trip you up or what even might make you excellent at what you do based on your strengths. So I just wanted to throw that in there because that's something that's been really powerful to me and my relationship and experiences that I've had with Carrie throughout mm -hmm. the years. So 
Yeah, you're welcome. So with that, why don't we transition into, you know, how people can get in touch with you if they want to hear more. And then I mentioned at the top of the episode that we have a little free gift to our listeners. So if you want to share that too, that'd be great. Yeah. If you want to reach out, you can email me at Carrie at CarrieCunnington.com. I think all of this will be in the show notes. And I would love to do a mental fitness workshop. It'll be similar to what we have here, but if you'd like to join, we'll put it, the the specific date will be on the calendar. But if you'd like to join for a mental fitness workshop, I'd love to have your folks there and, and we can work through any topics or just have a really good conversation if you're interested in how to bring this to your organization. It's not rocket science. It's just a matter of learning how to introduce it. So I would, um, in the show notes, we'll have the date and I'd love to have you there. Well, thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. We appreciate it. We always give a plug for each of the episodes on LinkedIn. So we'll make sure to include that date on LinkedIn as well as in the show notes. Carrie, you're out on LinkedIn. What was that? I, I don't contact me through LinkedIn. I got booted off of LinkedIn two years ago because I was hacked and I can't get back in. I've had three people try and get me in. So just email me. (laughs) Okay, good. Good clarity. If anybody (laughs) has any connections with LinkedIn that can help Carrie reach out to us and let us know. (laughs) Seriously. My assistant hasn't even been able to get me in. It's just kind of bananas, but Okay. Well, we'll we'll stick to email then in that regard. And again, we just, Mike and I so appreciate your time. This was really a fun session for he and I, and I know that our our listeners are going to have a lot to take away from this episode as well. Well, I appreciate you both just showing up for the moment. I, you do such a great job together and I really appreciate you just showing up to the conversation. Thank you, Jerry. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, Please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.